All right, brethren, let's turn in our Bibles to 1 Peter chapter 3. 1 Peter 3. Our subject is the authority and power. The authority and power. 1 Peter chapter 3 verse 22 says, Speaking of the God-man, Christ Jesus, the Son of God, that He has gone into heaven and is on the right hand of God, angels and authorities and powers being made subject unto Him. The God-man, the Lord Jesus, is the authority and the power over all. The Spirit of God has been teaching His people through Peter to submit to the powers that be. He started back in chapter 2 and verse 13, and he said, Submit yourselves to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake, whether it be to the king as supreme, or unto governors as to them that are sent by him for the punishment of evildoers and for the praise of them that do well, And he goes on, he includes servants to masters, he includes uh, wives to husbands, he includes the church to to Christ under shepherd, Um, all these different offices that Christ has put into place. And he says, submit yourselves. He said, for so is the will of God that with well-doing you may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men. As free and not using your liberty for a cloak of maliciousness, but as the servants of God. In other words, when you submit to the powers that be, you're submitting to God. When you do whatever is commanded of the powers that be, you're serving God. And he said, honor all, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the king. And you do this knowing that in all submission we're serving the King of kings, the Lord of lords. Because the God-man, Peter says, is gone into heaven. He's on the right hand of God, angels and authorities and powers being made subject, being made to submit to Him. Believers, by God's grace, by the Spirit of God working in our hearts, submit to those in authority over us, because we know it's Christ we serve. And we know Christ is the preeminent authority. He's the preeminent power ruling every authority and power, visible and invisible. That includes all of them. Christ is the preeminent angel ruling every angel, good and evil. Christ rules Satan himself. Christ is the chief shepherd ruling every under-shepherd he sends to preach the gospel. And he even rules those he didn't send to preach the gospel. Christ is the husband ruling every husband. Christ is the father ruling every father. Christ is the king ruling every king. He's the master, the, the, the employer is how we would say it, ruling every employer in this earth. He made these offices of authority and power and put put those 
or that filled those offices, he put them in place to glorify himself as the preeminent author and power who's ruling over all. Let's see that again in Colossians 1. Colossians 1. He put them in power. He created the offices. He put them in power to bring glory to him as being the preeminent power over all. Look here in verse 16. For by him, this is speaking of Christ, by him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by him and for him. And he's before all things and by him all things consist. That word consist means they're held together by him. I have to tell you this. I didn't have it in my notes, but uh, I go to bed early on Saturday nights and I went to bed early yesterday, early evening. And right before I saw a text that my mother sent, and it was quite a lengthy text. It was something she'd copied out of a book. And so I thought, I'll read it when I get up in the morning. I just want to get to sleep. So I got up early, early this morning, and I worked on my notes, and I was reading, you know. And when I got finished, I decided I'd read this text she sent. Well, the text she sent was from a physician, that, about a physician who wrote about our hometown. And in this book, he quoted Colossians 1. And here's what he, he told. He was, they were sewing up a, a patient. And he said to his assistant, he said, do you know how this wound will be held together? And the assistant thought that, that the doctor was testing him on, you know, the scientific, all the reasons and also they started trying to give him all these scientific medical reasons. And he said, no, 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 no. He said, and he quoted this scripture. He said, by, by Christ, all things were created by him and for him. He's before all things and by all, him, all things consist. And he said, when we've sewed up this wound right here, he said, it will be Christ that holds it together. He's the one that heals. He's the one that will hold it together. And that goes, brethren, for everything in this world. It, it says in Hebrews 1.3, By his word he upholdeth, he upholdeth all things by the word of his power. They're all held together by him. They all consist by him. Now, I don't know of anything that gives a believer more comfort and settles our heart more in the midst of a world of chaos that we live in. I don't know of anything that settles our hearts more than this, than the sovereignty of God. There's one thing. I bet you're sitting there thinking, there's something that settles your heart more than the sovereignty of God. Yes, there is. It's knowing that that sovereign God who's ruling everything is Christ your God and Savior. The same one who came and laid down his life for us is the one who's risen. The God-man. And he's 
ruling everything. Look at there at Colossians 1.18. And he's the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have the preeminence, for it pleased to follow that in him should all fullness dwell. Look at Colossians 2 and look at verse 9. For in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and you are complete in him, which is the head of all principality and power. Brethren, this is our peace. This is our peace as we go about our day-to-day in this world. The very one in whom every believer is complete. Now, when God says complete, (laughs) who can even enter into what that means? It can't get more complete. And the one in whom every believer is complete is our sovereign God and Savior who is seated at God's right hand, who is ruling everything and everyone in this world, and he's doing it just for his church, his body, and you that he's called by his grace. God raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in the heavenly places for above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that's named, not only in this world, but also in that which is to come. And has put all things under his feet and gave him to be the head over all things to the church, which is his body. You're his body. You're the fullness of him children of God. That means unless he saves every single child that God elected and that he redeemed, his body won't be full. It won't be complete. Do you think there's for a moment he's going to let one be lost? He shall not fail till he has set judgment in the earth. That's our Lord Jesus. He is risen there as the head that he might feel all in all. And that's what he's doing. That's what he's doing right now. I want to show you a few things from Scripture knowing this. It is a great blessing to you and me to be taught the Scriptures and and to be provided with faithful family who taught us the Scriptures or God sent you faithful men and women who were able to teach the scriptures, bring you under the gospel to hear the gospel preached according to these scriptures. It's a great, great, great blessing of God. Paul told Timothy that he had been greatly blessed because his grandmother and his mother believed the gospel and they had taught him the scriptures from his youth. The Lord blessed me to know not only my grandparents, and all my grandparents, but also all my great-grandparents except one. And I spent a lot of time with all of them. And and they were, uh, some of them were true saints of God that really believed the gospel by God's grace. And But they all were, were in churches, and at that time at least seemed to be uh, not so gone off the, the far end as churches are today, but they all taught me this same thing. They all did. 
The first thing they taught me was the importance of respecting those God has put in authority. That's the first thing I remember being taught as a child. Respecting those God has put in authority, beginning with my parents and with my pastor. Because they showed me from the scripture that if God saved me, he will save me through the preaching of the gospel. He'll save me through the preaching of the gospel. They used scripture to teach me that the importance of hearing the gospels, the importance of attending where the gospels preached, the importance of following along in the scriptures, the attendance of, of uh, being attentive, the importance of going home and studying what I'd heard. And then also they taught me the importance of respecting authority toward all other offices of authority in this world. Police officers and and the president and all offices of authority, your employer. That's what Brother Ravi just read. Let every soul be subject to the higher powers. Everybody has somebody in authority over them in this earth. There's no power but of God. The powers that be ordained or ordained of God. That goes for every office of authority in this world. God created the office, Christ Jesus, our Savior, did, and he put those that are in those offices. Whosoever therefore resisteth the power resisteth the ordinance of God. He's the minister of God to thee for good, the Scripture said. He put there as the minister of God. And so when we are serving them, we're doing it as believers with this understanding he's given us. We know we're serving God the King of kings and Lord of lords. We're serving him who is the preeminent authority and power. And, and Peter said, to the good and the forward, to those that are good and to those that are not good. All of them. Why? Because he's ruling every heart of everybody in this world for his glory and the good of his people. You believe that? It's so. It's so. We're right now, and, and we always have been since Christ came. These are the last days, have been since Christ came. But we see it more now, and it seems like it just increased over the past 10 or 15 years. Perilous times. Perilous times. Each generation waxes worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. I was blessed to have parents married 55 years and great-grandparents and great-grandparents married longer than that to, to not only teach me these things in the Scriptures, but to show me examples of what it is to submit to authority. But here, I can see why things wax worse and worse and perilous times come. I can understand this. I had a lot of friends. This, this was used to not be so in the in the 50s and and but as you got along in the 60s and it started came a little more prevalent in the 70s but by the 80s I was born in 1970 by the 80s I had a lot of friends who were latchkey children some of you close to my age you know what that is they would get up they had one parent they would get up in the morning and when they woke up to go to school, that parent was already going to work. And when they got home from school, that parent 
was still at work. And most were not taught the scriptures. They certainly weren't taught respect for authority. They certainly weren't taught that the gospel of Christ and that Christ is the authority and the power over all. And some grew up and had great problems with authority. Some had great problems with authority. A few rebelled so against authority that they even got in some serious trouble with police. Now, be sure to understand this. It's not that we're simply products of our environment. That's not so. That is not so. Every child of Adam's born with a heart that's enmity against God and hates authority, hates for Christ to have the authority, hates for Christ to have the glory and all the glory and salvation. Every person who comes into this world has that heart of enmity and will not submit to the word of God, will not submit to the truth of God whatsoever. Uh, so we can't blame our, our environment. There's been some that the Lord has saved that grew up in a terrible environment that had no kind of upbringing whatsoever and Christ being the power and wisdom of God was able to bring them under the gospel, give them new hearts and save them, bring them to faith in Christ and keep them looking to him. There's been some that had great upbringings that ended up going away and, and forsaking all religion and everything else and just wanted nothing to do with God. It's not simply the environment that we grow up in. But faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And the child is certainly worse off that was never taught the scriptures from an early age. They're certainly worse off. They're never taught that the powers that be are ordained of God and if they never had examples in the home growing up, they're certainly worse off. It's one of the reasons we see in our day such a disdain for authority. You see it. You see it everywhere. Rebelling against police officers and, and just speaking so, so disrespectful of anybody in authority. No respect for elders and what have you. Look over at 2 Timothy 3. This is according to the scripture. This is all just evidence of the fall, brethren, is what this is. In 2 Timothy 3, verse 1, Paul said, This know also that in the last days, and he's not just talking about the end of the last, he's talking about since Christ came. It's been the last days. In the last days perilous times shall come. Men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truth breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof, denying the dunamis, denying the dynamite of godliness from such turn away. No matter our upbringing, Christ Jesus is able to save his people. He's able to bring his people under the gospel and save his people through the gospel because Christ is the dunamis. He is the dynamite. He's the power of 
God. He's the power of godliness. Christ Jesus is. And this gospel is the power of God unto salvation. Christ is the power and wisdom of God of how God can be both just and justifier of his people. The power and the wisdom of God. This is so, this is the gospel. Christ is the power who came and had the wisdom and the ability. What did God say in Isaiah 53? By his wisdom, he shall justify many by his knowledge. He came forth with the wisdom and understanding to go about and establish the whole law of God for his people, to honor the law, perfectly honor the law for his people. And he did that for God his Father and for his people. First for God the Father. Because God's holy, and if he's going to save a sinner, he's going to do it in a way that's holy. And he did it first and foremost for God, his Father. And in the process, he saved his people. Our Lord Jesus Christ, by his blood, made it just for God to show mercy to you, the sinner. It's just for God to show you mercy. It would be unjust for God not to show you mercy. Why? Because everybody that God chose in Christ Jesus have perfectly fulfilled the law of God all their life and never once sinned. That's why. You say, I don't see that myself. It ain't in you and me. They did it in Christ. We did it in Christ. Perfectly fulfilled God's law from the womb all the way to the end of our life without any sin whatsoever. And are seated right now with with Christ at God's right hand. Christ's blood not only justified God as being just to show us mercy, Christ's blood justified his people from all our sins, made us the righteousness of God in him. He's the power and wisdom of God. Of God. He's the power of godliness. He magnified that law. It said he honored it. That's what he did by his life. And he magnified it, not also by how he obeyed it, but how he came to you and magnified it in your heart. He came and taught you what the law said. That's what we try to see Thursday night and how he taught us this is what you heard the law says. You just thought it was outward. You just thought it just dealt with some of your outward actions. No, he said it reaches to the thoughts and intents of your heart. It reaches to your motive for why you do what you do. Why are you here today? God's the only one that knows. God's the only one that knows. If you're here because you want to worship God or just because you just feel like you have to, it's a big difference. There's a huge difference. He puts the want to in his people by showing you, brethren, that there's nothing we can do to save ourselves. There's nothing we can do to make ourselves righteous. There's nothing we can do to make ourselves complete. He shows you this, that we've broken every law in, in our very motives and our very thoughts, and we do so on a daily basis. How could that give you the want to? How could that give you the willingness to want to come to Christ and want to hear Christ preach? Because He is your salvation. He's your only righteousness. He's the only way you can come to God. And He's magnified the law to you and made you know that. 
teaching you the gospel in your heart. And he imparted unto you in the new birth all things that pertain to life and godliness when he gave you a new spirit. You know when a child is conceived in the womb, everything that child will be, if that child is to be 90 years old, everything that child will be at 90 years old is right there in the womb when they're conceived. And when he creates a new spirit in you, everything he's going to grow you to be in that new man is all right there. All things that pertain to life and godliness. Sinners with a form of godliness attribute godliness to man. They attribute it to the form. Just like we saw with the Pharisees this morning. They deny that Christ is the power of godliness. They can bring themselves to believe whenever they get ready. Just make their decision. They can put away their sins and, and be holy and walk holy anytime they get ready. They can, they can perfect themselves in holiness by their works, by their deeds. And they just need God to help them out a little bit. Just, just help them where they just can't quite do everything just right. Brethren, that's just not so. That's just not so. That's having a form of godliness and denying that, that I can do nothing without Christ. Isn't that what Christ said? You can do nothing without me. That's a mighty big word, nothing. Covers everything. We can do nothing without the Lord Jesus Christ. But sinners are proud and they covet that glory for self. They want to give themselves that glory that belongs to Christ. I did. You did. And for in a great in a great way because of our sin nature, that's all it is. We still try to do that. And Christ saves us. And he keeps saving us. And he keeps saving us. And he keeps showing us. He's the power of godliness. But natural man won't bow. He won't give the glory to Christ because he will not have this man reign over him. But guess what? You know this, he'll believe him. For all his people, for everybody he laid down his life for, Christ will win. He's going to win that battle. He always does. You stay under the preaching of the gospel. And you give yourself to hear the preaching of the gospel. I don't care what you see going on in this world, what you see going on in this congregation or any other congregation. Christ is ruling. He's the head of his church, his body, filling all in all my grandfather pastored the congregation. Sometimes it was sometimes it was it was like a mega church. Sometimes they had upwards of sixty people. But for the most part, it was about fifteen or twenty people. Twenty, twenty-five, for thirty-five or forty years. And never seemed to be trouble, never seemed to be shaken, he never seemed to be uh you know, worried about what was the future of that congregation. And every time I ever asked him, he would say, 
everything is running right on track. (laughs) Everything is exactly as it should be because it's all done by our Savior. It's all done by the one who is the head of the body. Every bit of it. You stay under this gospel. It is the power of God unto salvation. Look at Romans chapter 1. Romans chapter 1. Paul began there, called himself the servant of Jesus Christ, called an apostle, called by Christ, separated unto the gospel of God. And he tells us what it is. It's the gospel he had promised afore by his prophets in the Holy Scriptures. That's what all the Scriptures is about. What's it concerning? Concerning his son, Jesus Christ our Lord, which was made of the seed of David according to the flesh and declared the son of God with power according to the spirit of holiness by the resurrection from the dead. By whom? It's by him that we receive grace and apostleship for obedience to the faith among all nations for his name, among whom you also are the called of Jesus Christ. He said this gospel concerning Christ, and it's through this gospel that Christ himself called us. Verse 15, so as much as in me is, I'm ready to preach the gospel to you that are at Rome also, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek, for therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith, as it's written, the just shall live by faith. The gospel is the power of God unto salvation. Not, not merely just in the preaching of it. It's the power of God unto salvation because Christ is the power we, we're preaching about. He's the power we're declaring has accomplished the salvation of his people, that the, everything that, for reason he created the world and he gave us these scriptures and everything in these scriptures are to honor and glorify him as being the wisdom, righteousness, sanctification, and redemption of his people. Everything in the gospel is about Christ. And it's the power because through the preaching of this gospel, Christ comes and he makes his people know it. He reveals from the faith, the faithful one to the heart through the faith he's given of that child he's redeemed and makes you know he is the righteousness of God. That's how we're made to believe and kept believing. How do you have a pastor? Men don't make pastors. Ephesians 4 said he gave pastors. The same one that descended is the Son of God who came down. And when he had finished the work of accomplishing redemption, it says he ascended. He didn't ascend the same way he descended. He ascended as the God-man. Perfect God and perfect man in one person. The fullness of the Godhead bodily. And he ascended. And that same one who accomplished redemption sent forth his preachers. And he says he did it for the edifying of the body of Christ. It's even for his sake. It's for his body. That's who his people are. His body. Till we all come in the unity of the faith. And of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Yes, he's growing us individually. He's growing us up into him spiritually. But 
when he has called every single member of his body, every single child he's redeemed, and he's called every one of us together, then his body will be full, and his body will be complete, Christ being the head and his body being full with every child called in to the unity of the faith. And where is all of this coming from? What's the power to do this? You, you, he put us in this world where it just looks like everything is just run by crooks and it looks like it's, it's just men are just getting away with, with everything under the sun and there's just all this, this sin and rebellion and, and far more uh, reprobates than there are a little remnant who believed the gospel and he puts you in this world and, and how is he going to do this? How is he going to send his pastor and how is he going to teach his people and bring them under the gospel? How is all this going to happen? Because he has all power over all principalities and power and authorities whether they're visible or invisible. And as scripture says, Ephesians 4.16 says it's from Christ that the whole body's fitly joined together. And they're compacted, they're cemented together by that which every joint supplieth. According to Christ's effectual working in the measure of every part, Christ is making increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. Christ is doing that. It's from Him. Paul told the Colossians the same thing. He said, Christ is the head from which the body by joints and bands have all nourishment ministered so that they're knit together and they increase with the increase of God. He's God that gives the increase. He's God that nourishes us through this word. We came here today to feed upon the living bread. And it's through this bread he's nourishing us. He's growing us. Maybe we came in here today focused on, on every kind of trouble and everything that's wrong and everything that's, that's going wrong in this world. If you leave here today and you're still focused on it, you didn't hear the word. But if he speaks into your heart, you're not leaving out of here today troubled by those same things. You know why? Because he's turning you to see he's ruling it all. He's ruling it all. It's all worked together for the good of his people on purpose by his power to bring to pass his purpose of glorifying his name and the salvation of his people. If you believe on Christ, it's because Christ assembled you. It's because Christ brought you here to hear this gospel. It's because Christ taught you in your heart. Unregenerate sinners with a form of godliness uh, hate the gospel of Christ because it gives no room for man to glory. It gives all the glory to Christ. The preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness. They wouldn't dare say the preaching of the cross is foolishness. Most wouldn't dare say that. Now those that are outside of religion would, but there's a host in religion that wouldn't dare say that. But you start declaring that that you didn't choose God. God chooses whom He will and passes by whom He will. You start telling them that Christ didn't redeem everybody in this world. He redeemed everybody God gave to Him and He accomplished their redemption. You tell sinners that Christ Jesus comes and He gives life by the Spirit of God and that sinners don't give ourselves life and faith and that 
nor do we preserve ourselves. It's Him that's making us to persevere in the faith. You tell sinners that, and you'll find out real quick that they think it's foolishness. They don't believe Christ is the power of God. But to you that believe are saved, it's the power of God. Christ the power of God. Christ the wisdom of God. So let me end with this. Look over here at 2 Timothy 3.14. Look here what Paul told Timothy. 2 Peter, I mean 2 Timothy 3.14. He said, Continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and hast been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them. That's of Christ. Christ taught you. And that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. He said, he said, the Lord used, he called some of your family members, Timothy. He said, I call to remembrance the unfeigned faith that's in thee, which dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice, and I'm persuaded it's in thee also. He called some of your, your family member, and through them he taught you the gospel, but it's Christ that taught all of you. And he said, don't forget that. Continue in him. Continue in these holy scriptures. They're able to make you wise unto salvation. Some of you might not have had family to teach you like Timothy had. You might not have had that. But you're sitting here today. Who brought you here today? Don't take that lightly. You've heard the gospel preached today. And that wasn't by accident. Christ did that. Christ did that. And he fits the body together and he draws it, he, he grows us up into him. So you continue in these things. And as you see the world waxing worse and worse, deceived and being deceived, know that Christ is ruling it all. Your former companions may think it's strange that you don't run wild with them anymore, in sin with them anymore. That's all right. The gospel stains the pride of the unregenerate. And so they're going to persecute you. They're going to, men of this world are going to. Or reject you. It stains their pride. It's the purpose of God. The Lord of hosts hath purposed it to stain the pride of all glory and to bring into contempt all the honorable of the earth. He saves that no flesh should glory in his presence. And you'll be persecuted. Christ said we would. He said, Think not that I came to send peace on earth. I didn't come to send peace, but a sword. I came to set a man at variance against his father, and the daughter against her mother, and the daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And a man's foe shall be they of his own household. But listen to now. He that loveth father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. He that loveth son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. He that taketh not his cross and followeth after me is not worthy of me. These things are painful. But Christ will give you the strength to bear it. He'll give you the strength to bear it. He that findeth his life shall lose it. You'll find a way out of it, of your own wisdom and, and strength. You'll lose your life. But he that loses his life for Christ's sake will find it. What he's saying is, those that are mine are not going to let anything come between me and them. I'm going to see to it. Don't be shaken by this world. When you see everything going on, you may have some forward boss or somebody that just uh, uh, police officers and, and these rulers, and they may be corrupt. Submit to them. Why? Because Christ is ruling them. Christ is ruling them. Listen to this. 
All the inhabitants of the earth were reputed as nothing, and he doeth according to his will in the army of heaven among the inhabitants of the earth, and none can stay his sin or saying, What doest thou? Well, I thought that said about God. That's who Christ is, the God-man. And he'll keep you looking to him by his power and wisdom. Though he was crucified through weakness, yet he liveth by the power of God. We also were weak in him, but we shall live with him by the power of God work towards you. Be not therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me his prisoner, but be partaker of the afflictions of the gospel according to the power of God. Not going to be easy but we're kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. Let me end with this. If you leave here, I want you to take at least get this one word right here and don't forget this. Go out of here with this one word. Whatever you see when you get out there on the highway, whatever you see in the news, whatever you see this week, I want you to keep this one word in your heart. Thy God reigneth. Keep that in your heart. Don't forget it. Thy God reigneth. There's just a few more times we're going to go around the sun, and he's coming. Once He's going to call the last one, and he's coming again. Then cometh the end when he'll have delivered up the kingdom to God, even the Father, when he shall have put down all rule and all authority and power. For he must reign till he's put all enemies under his feet, and the last enemy that shall be destroyed is death. <laughs> He's going to conquer all. He has. And he shall. And he's made you to be more than conquerors through him that loved us. The God-man is gone into heaven. Is on the right hand of God. Angels and authorities and powers being made subject unto him. So finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. In other words, you get behind him. (laughs) You trust him to defend you and lead you and protect you on all sides. It's his power and his might. He's the authority and power. Amen.